0: Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you and thank you for joining us wherever you are and wherever you're located here on campus. Thank you for working with us as we head through this transition time of facilities as well as having you online and we continue our Word of Life series as we're getting even closer to Thanksgiving when our goal is to wrap it up and I trust that it's been a blessing to you as we've been focusing on... The fact that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all and this God that we can trust and this God that we love and this God we know can bring us assurance not only through life and through the darkness of life but in our salvation as well. You know, I think all of us can remember a season in our life or a time when we found ourselves scared at night. I know for me, one of the things I like to do when I was really little is sometimes even turn on a little light in my room and, and just have a, a little glow that I could look at. But I remember even then, a few times calling for my dad to come in because I was convinced there was somebody in my room. I mean, there's gotta be somebody in here. And it, and I don't know why, but it was like always the boogeyman, right? And and, and I remember calling my dad multiple times one night to come in and, and, and just check around the room. Now, keep in mind, my room, I, I grew up in a row home on 9th Street. My room was the size of a closet, this back room. And I, there wasn't even a closet in the room, yet I needed it checked out. And I remember him specifically saying, look, bud, that's like the fourth or fifth time. The only boogeyman that's gonna get you tonight is me if you don't go to bed. And I remember thinking that's a pretty good reason to go to bed, and, and, and I would stare at that light and kind of slowly drift off and go to sleep, but that would not prepare me for the terror I was going to face at the age of 20 at a camp I was working at. You know, this dock looks all nice and friendly, but this dock was one of the experiences that brought terror to my life. Oh yeah, the kids would go in and they'd play in the kayaks during the day and all that stuff like that, but the dock had lights and the lights needed to go off. And for whatever reason, it was like promotion level decision-making if you didn't turn these lights off for our director. So get those dock lights off. And by my, my, my second year in college, I would help at this camp during the summer, and so I'm around 20 some years old, and it was my responsibility as a program director that week to turn off the dock lights. Do not forget to turn off the dock lights. And it's no problem, but sometimes it got a little scary because every camp has bears going around at times, but it can also have just strangers walking on the camp sometimes. If you're familiar with anybody in camp ministry, sometimes it just can have people, random people come walking in from from anywhere and it can frighten uh, the people there or even the kids. And, And I remember that these conversations would grow into folklore with the counselors. And you tell the campers, you know, don't go walking around. There's people that come in and they'll kill you, you know. And you and it just helps them stay in their cabin at night. But but, I was the one of the jokesters doing that. But it's not funny when the joke's turned on you, right? And you're the one who's scared. Now now, the doc. And the chapel, which we would often have our nighttime worships, uh, were a good two football fields away. In, in fact, this was the chapel. It was down here in the corner. And then over more towards the clearing area over there, even across a road, um, was the dock. And so there was a significant distance of extremely wooded area. Oh, a couple hundred yards, but at night, especially if it was dark, very scary. In fact, in fact, there was a part where you had the road and then you go into the darker areas that was a little bit more steep of a climb. In fact, I mapped this out and impacted my life so much. Down at the dock I was over here. I had to trek. This was the trek back to the chapel. So you can see the dock and you can see the chapel. Okay, okay. And here's what happened. See, here's a, here's a nice shot of the chapel at night. It had a beautiful glow to it. And, and it was an A-frame chapel, and the kids were in there, and I think it was middle school week. And uh, we're in the back and we're singing and worship starting up. And, and one of my friends goes, Hey Chris, aren't you supposed to go turn off the dock lights? Ah, yeah. You coming with me? No, I gotta stay with the kids. You know, they're a little restless tonight. I'm gonna stay with the kids. You go, all right, well, that's fine. Because we would get on these things, and, and I remember this one, I don't know if somebody had rigged it up or whatever, but we kind of had like a spotlight plugged into the battery of the of this golf cart. And so I would drive the golf cart down, it was no big deal, and I would turn off the dock lights. But I noticed on my drive down, the the, the golf cart wasn't going as smooth as it usually did. And my flashlight was kind of blinking in the front. And so I had some concerns because I forgot my lantern. You see, I had this lantern I'd like to hang up, and this is obviously not the one, but we had this lantern, and i put it in the tents, i put it in the cabins, and I'd like to have it with me. Now, if you're younger here, you're going, why don't you just use your cell phone? Because we didn't have them. <laughs> we needed these things. And so you'd put this in a spot where you could carry it or we'd have our flashlight, but the lantern often a b- b- bigger glow. And so a lot of kids could walk under its glow versus a single sh- flashlight. So I don't have my lantern. And, and, and now I'm on a golf cart that's kind of dying and I'm headed into the dark woods of the dock. I pull up. I go, oh my word, I got to turn the dock lights off, get back to that golf cart and race back. And kids, you know that feeling when you just know somebody's behind you about the second stair on the way up to your bedroom? That's kind of how I was feeling. There's somebody out here. And so I was getting a little intense. I got to get back. And and, and I could still faintly hear the kids singing in the chapel, which was reassuring. So I get my golf cart and it doesn't go. It doesn't go. I'm going to have to go with this in the dark. And so I start walking back, I get to the road, I'm still feeling pretty good. I've got my eyes adjusted to the stars, but now the darker area comes in the rougher terrain. And as I head up the rougher terrain, I start thinking about those people that sometimes meander around the campground. I got thinking about possible bears. And see, once you get thinking, it's like looking down when you're at a high place. You start really thinking, right? And I'm really thinking at this point, and I'm moving through the woods, and I hear a crack of a stick, like, (laughs) Like that's it. 48 hours. Uh, what I mean, I am on that show. I'm I'm gonna die. And and I'm and I'm trying to get my bearings, and I can kind of hear the kids singing. I see a slight glow through the woods of the chapel, and I start moving towards it. But I look to my right, and to this day I've had counselors, Chris, you really didn't see anything. I'm telling you, come on there. You kind of like, okay, your mind kind of dramatizing. I look over and I see this guy in the woods just looking at me and I start running. I mean, I was running, okay? And so I'm running up, and what happens to good Christian kids who are running at their camp in the woods with no lights? Bad things happened to good kids. And I hit a rock. I fell down. I remember hitting my kneecap. I couldn't tell if it was bleeding or not, but I hit the ground and I got up and I just started fighting. Why? Because I'm going to die, okay? And I need to get back to the middle school or still keep me safe. And so I'm running and I'm hitting thorn bushes. I'm like, no, that's not the path. And the only thing that could keep my bearings is the light. I saw the light of the chapel and it just kind of kept me focused. I'm trying to fight my way through the woods and, and hear the singing and I get back up there. My knee is killing me. I don't know if it's bleeding or not. I've got my stuck in thorns. I've, I've walked into a tree. A branch hit me here. Fortunately, I had hair back then and it helped. But, but I got to the chapel. I go in the doors and I do what every counselor does that almost died. I got in. I went, I love you, Lord. And I just started saying, and I lift my voice. And my buddy's looking at me like, you're all right, man? I'm sweating. I probably look like I'd just been through a near-death experience. And I look at him, I go, I almost died out there. And he's like, to worship you. Really? Yeah, I'll tell you later. And I finished, but I've never been so happy to be surrounded by such wonderful Christian 12-year-olds. But I'll never forget that night. Oh, one, because I legitimately was scared as much as I dramatized it to make it fun. But I never forget the fact that I could see the light. The fact that I could see the light through the woods, that's what kept me focused. And if that light went out, I wouldn't have had that because the stars weren't doing it. I was surrounded by darkness. I felt people were after me and everything was closing in. And isn't that interesting? When you're surrounded by a lot of darkness, like even in the society we're in, have you noticed that it feels like everything's closing in around you? Are you living in anxiety? Maybe anger? When's the last time you smiled? Is it possible the darkness is starting to get to you? And the light has grown dim. See, one of the greatest things that we can do as children of God is to shine a light. And one of the goals of the darkness, obviously speaking metaphorically as well as spiritually, is to dim that light. And so that people don't have a bearing light, they don't have a guiding light. But when the church is shining, Through the woods, it gives people a hope even if they're going through the roughest time. And what's the number one thing that John says the church can do to shine its light even to the darkest areas? It's love one another. Our love for one another shines so brightly that the world sees it and wants to know what about that hope. So today, in chapter four of 1 John, we're looking at that characteristic the church has as emblematic of the God they serve. For God is love. Chapter four, one through 21, we're gonna let the word of God show us what love is. Just like God is light, he's not like a light, he is light. God is not like love, God is love, and that's important. Because we're living in a society that defines love based on the world's love. Young people, you're hearing messages of love that are not not necessarily the messages of biblical love. And so it's important for us to know how to define love. It's important for us to have a theology of love so that when the word is leveraged, We're thinking about God's love for that's what we're called to. It's not a love that can be defined by the world for the world is not the originator of it, God is. And that is our text today. For so many passages in scripture, see there'll come a time where even communicators will come along and have a message that is one of the antichrists of the day. That is a message, oh, it sounds like love, but it's not the love of scripture. Renew, I hope you're here today to hear the word of God and hear what God says about love and let it inspire you, not shame you, let inspire you and convict you to want to love like that. Heavenly Father, may you continue to shine brightly for us that we might focus on your light even in the darkest times. There'll be times in every believer's life where they hit their knee. They trip, they fall, they wrestle through some difficult areas that kind of leave some cuts. But at the end of the day, may they make it their aim. May they make it their pursuit to go to the light, to be in the light as you are in the light and to experience the joy that comes from that. For God, I believe we're in a time period where a a lot of Christian people have lost their light and have replaced it with anger and bitterness and frustration and hurt and judgment, shame. And if there's ever a time for the light to shine, it's when things are at its darkest. And so I pray, Lord, that we would be inspired by you today to love most specifically our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And we'll pray this in your name. Amen. Now, now, John starts again in this chapter, although speaking about love, he says, I want you to watch for the spirits of the age. I'm gonna read it to you in chapter four. He says this, beloved, do not believe every spirit, lowercase s, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we know these spirits aren't necessarily or anything. This seems to be like the spirit of the age he's speaking of or, or the spirit of a message that is anti the things of Christ. He says this, by this you will know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is in the world already. Here's the deal. You'll know whether it's the spirit of the age or of the world or of a falsehood or the spirit of God, okay? How? by how Christ is handled. If the incarnation's messed up, if Jesus Christ is not God, if he's not the one that we build and anchor our sure salvation on, watch for that. And think about how many cults and outside man-made religions have been created since the time John has written this, where people are worshiping things that are far from the God of the Bible. He says, but be careful. They'll mess up on Jesus. That's the way you know. And it seems as if John knows his audience so will develop a few questions because of this. And so I've kind of penned the questions myself. Here, here's one. Well, well, will they overcome us? These, these false teachers, will they overcome us here in the church? Um, will they be listened to? I mean, are people gonna listen to these lies about Jesus? And, and then finally, will they be obvious? Will we be able to kind of like spot them besides their message? And John seems to go, I'm gonna answer that in the next few verses. And he calls like a little family meeting again. We're used to this. Little children, little children, you are from God and you have overcome them for he who is in you, he who is in you, my saved spiritual children, children of God, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. You'll overcome. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Who will, will will they be listened to? Little children, they are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world will listen to them. How can they believe these lies? They'll, they'll believe them. They're, they're walking in blindness. I mean, who would believe this? I mean, how could they fall prey to this? Because they're not necessarily familiar with the truth. And, and then there's a third question. Um, well, well, what will happen? What will come of this? I mean, uh, will they be obvious? Little children, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. And by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. We'll know because they'll listen to us. And I believe he's truly referring here to the apostles. They'll listen to sound doctrine. That's how we'll know. Or if they don't listen to sound doctrine, that's how we'll know. And I'll tell you what, he's painting a pretty dark picture of the future of things here on earth. And have you ever noticed that scripture does the same? I mean, there will be people at times like these, okay, um, who lose perspective a little bit that things have always been difficult. But you wouldn't argue with me if I said it feels a little darker than ever in the time periods we're even living in. People are saying, what's happening to our schools? What's happening to our families? What's happening to our churches? What's happening to our country? But if you look at scripture, it says this, we hear things like this, you will be hated by all the nations because of my name. It says, many false prophets will arise and mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. The time will come when many will not even endorse sound doctrine in the church. On top of that, don't be surprised at this fiery deal among you. I mean, scripture is replete with, don't be shocked by this. I can't believe what's going on in the country. I can't believe what's going on in the world. Don't, don't be shocked. Scriptures, don't be shocked. I mean, I, I, mean I, I can't believe what's going on. Why are you surprised? Well, what do you think's going on? I love what Chuck Swindoll said. Um, um, exactly what was predicted, your Bible's true out of God. Your hope is not in this place. You're a sojourner. You're passing through. You are to shine your light while you're here, but you're of another world. Peter even calls you an alien here on earth. You're citizens of heaven. But this kind of stuff scares me. And it makes me want to just bunker in my family and bunker in my life and and get everybody away from me and and tell everybody to watch out or I'm coming for them. And, And you're filled with anger and rage and bitterness and frustration and your life's spiraling out of control. Your family's spiraling out of control. Your kids are spiraling out of control and you're thinking you're pulling this all together. And God's going, I got a better way. In such a time as this, you got another way? Yeah, yeah, I have another way. And it will actually drown out a lot of the fears you're facing. For where there is anger, there is fear. There is a fear of loss of something, and therefore the anger. I've got a better way. What? What? What's a better way? It, it better be good. I'm ready. I'm ready. What is it? Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. What? Love one another? The answer to fear is love. More specifically, loving one another. Well, who's the one another? Your children of God, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, they don't deserve to be loved. That's not what love is. Well, you know what? If they should say what they should say, maybe I would love them. That's not what love is. Well, if they treated me the way I feel I should be treated, then I would love them. That's not what love is. That's worldly love, that's conditional love. That comes and goes. When God says love, He's talking about a divine love, an otherworldly love, and if you don't have a loveology, you'll think His love is based on what the world does, and brother and Sister of Christ, don't fall trapped to that love. It will lead to tremendous consequences. We need to love like Christ starting with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'll tell you what, there are some people, I'm sure I'm included, who are hard to love. We talking about this right before Thanksgiving, Chris, when all the family comes? Yeah, why not? There's people in your family that are hard to love. There's people you know that are hard to love. Has the Holy Spirit tapped you on the shoulder right now with a name? of someone that is a child of God that's hard for you to love. Oh, and there's a list. I, I, I like lists. Do you like lists? I, I make lists a lot and I was just collecting some data from people on, what are some people that are hard to love? And you know what? I'm finding something out about there's, there's certain people that are hard to love. You ready? All people it seems like are hard to love, every single Okay, I, I, here's some people. How about this? I'll, I'll just see if I rub some toes here, okay? I, I think I'm gonna get everyone here, okay? Disrespectful people. Oh man, disrespectful young people. Oh yeah, right? Um, 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 judgmental people. Well, that's such a shame you guys did that. I am so disappointed. right? Right. Yeah, right, right. Angry people, I'm outraged about this. You're out of control, buddy. All right, have a good day. All right, all right, all right, how about this? Wimpy people, oh, they're so weak. They're so, so stand for something. Yeah, like calm down, okay, okay. Okay, how about demeaning people? Well, you know, as the executive director's assistant, I need to tell you, I know you don't understand. Oh, hmm okay, right, right, right. All right, am I getting to anybody? How about lazy people? Oh my word, somebody work around here. I can't find any good employees anymore. Okay, how about, how about Achiever people? We need to be at every event. Get in the car. We're going here. We're going here. It's nine events every weekend. Okay, okay. okay. Uh, um, how, about, how about whiny people? No one ever cares about us. I mean, every, we always get left out of everything. Um, uh, uh, how about cocky people? I don't even care what you think. Okay, buddy. All right, all right, okay. Uh, how about gossipy people? Oh, let me tell you something. I got to tell you something. Oh, I got to tell you something. Why are we whispering everywhere we go? How about stubborn people? Oh, my word, my dad is so stubborn. How, how, about, how about celebrated people? Oh, they're so awesome. Oh, they're so awesome. Okay, right, right? Entitled people, narcissistic, snap, 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 people. How about unloving people? It's people who don't love you. It hurts. It hurts. It's hard to love someone you know doesn't love you unless you know divine love. For divine love is different than the love of this world. And that is the love John used there in his text. He used the word agape, specifically in verb form agapeo, which means love, unconditional love, Self-giving love, self-sacrificial love. You see, the world uses the word love very simplistically. But if you understand the Greek, you know that the word love is multiple. There's multiple words for love. Agape or agape is divine love. Phileo is brotherly love. You can see where you get Philadelphia out of phileo. Eros is that intimate sexual love. That's often the love the world's talking about. We understand brotherly love. We understand sexual love. These are all loves that are in scripture. But the love that John's calling us to is agape. I made it yellow, not red, for it's different than the love we often know. For this love is unconditional. This is my first point when it comes to loveology, out of six points I want to shine a light on, that God's love is unconditional. God says this, Beloved, let us unconditionally agape one another. For this love, this agape love, is from God. He is the one who shows it to us. He is the one that authored it. He created it. Now I'm gonna date myself, but when I was in third grade, there was a superstar on the radio. You might've heard of him. His name was Michael Jackson. Well, he was kind of known at that time for something called the moonwalk, which I perfected as a third grader. And in the halls, I was even asked at times, Chris, show them your moonwalk. And I'd start, oh, I'd start. And I'd start moonwalking. And I have one of my classmates say, Chris, you do it better than Michael Jackson. And so I'm over at Gooth Elementary getting it on. Oh, I mean, people are like, do your moonwalk. It was Perkacy Elementary at the time. And I'm just, I'm doing my moonwalk for my third grade class. We even named our pet rabbit Michael Jackson. I'm not better than him, he was the originator. Don't ever say you can define love if you're not the originator. God is love, he's the originator. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. If you have been born of God, you know God, and anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. You're saying, so if I don't love my brother or sister in Christ, I'm not a Christian. This is the part where it's important and our hermeneutics to understand something about First John, if you're only joining us this week. John's talking about aiming at something. John's talking about practicing this way. Christians, we will make mistakes And we will sometimes be very angry for a season or harbor vengeful, mean thoughts about our brother and sister in Christ. There will be times, it doesn't necessarily mean we're unsaved, we're going through a season where we might be walking in a little darkness and we gotta get back in the light. But this is something that doesn't happen, John says. If you know God, that means you're abiding with him. If you're walking close with God, you're in his word, you're in his prayer, you know the scriptures. Anyone who does not love does not know God then. You're not close with God if you're currently not loving a brother or sister in Christ. Why? Because when God's love is close to you, it's transformational. It changes you. Whoever loves unconditionally, that's not natural. Therefore, they have to know God. And anyone who does not love unconditionally, they're not close with God because God is that way. And when God's close with someone, Again, it doesn't mean there aren't seasons, but when God's close with someone, there's a relationship there. Church, we're not talking about religion here on Sundays. We're talking about a relationship with God and it transforms you. It changes you. In this, it's proven, John says. I'll show you two ways God's love. It's not only unconditional and transformational, it's proven to you. How? In this, the love of God was made manifest. That means to come to light, that we could see it. Among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. One of the proofs of God's love is Jesus Christ. God loved us so much, he sent a gift. Did you ask for it? No. Nope. he sent it before all of us in this room were even alive. He sent the gift. He moved first. He didn't wait for you. He moved and sent a gift in his Son. He sacrificed his son and sent his son on our behalf. I got two boys. I love you all dearly. But for their lives, I'm not so sure. I can't imagine the kind of love that would give a son for someone or somebody that didn't love me first. He sent a gift. For God demonstrated his love for us. And while we were yet what? Sinners you find yourself judgmental of the world and other people, you know at one point you were a sinner before he shined that light into you. Keep that in mind. That God moved first. And then there was a second way. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son, watch this, to be the propitiation, which means not only did he give his son to us, but his son had to die and take on the wrath of God. That's what the word propitiation means. It means not only did God send his son, but God had to hit his son because he hates sin and sin has to be punished. And there's only one person that can take that blow and live again. And that was his son. And so not only did he move first and give a gift for everybody in this room and everybody watching, he had to hit that and pour all his wrath out onto that. And his son bled and died for without the shedding of blood, there can't be any forgiveness for you and I, but because he shed his blood, The father now can look at us who claim Jesus and be children of God and see his life when he looks at us. That's love. He sent a gift. He initiated and paid the price. God's love is evidential. It's not something that's out there that I can't know. It's evidential in Jesus Christ. And the fact that he gave his life means you were bought at a very high price. You are very expensive. And God said, I'll pay. I mean that that's crazy love. That's loveology. That's the love that's unconditional, a love that is selfless and sacrificing. That's a love that is transformational, a love that changes our behavior. That's a love that is evidential. That's a love that is proven by action, by initiating. See, the world says love people who love you back. The world says love people who make you happy. The world says love people who tell you what you want to hear. The world says love people who say what you want to say. The world says love people no matter what, but God's love. Oh, it's so much further than that. It's a love that's self-sacrificing and unconditional, changing and evidential. Oh, beloved, John says, beloved, listen to me. Kids, little children, listen to me. Look at this. If God so loved us, we ought to love one another. This should be a no-brainer. You shouldn't be hating Another child of God. But you know what they're like? Yes. Do you know what you're like? Perfect. Oh. How hard are you to love? Why are you doing this? Because I hate myself and I want someone else to hate themselves. Why are you doing this? Because I'm so mad. Why are you doing this? Because I'm so beat up and I'm tired of this world. I want somebody to fix it. If you want to fix it, here's how to get out of this trap. Start loving. You've tried the hate. You've tried the anger. You've tried the bitterness. You've tried the swinging. You've tried the yelling. What if you tried my plan? Love one another. It's inspirational. This love isn't an ought to in the sense that shame on you if you don't. Although, could I say, shame on us if we don't but this is more like, come on. I mean, look what God did for us. How can we not do that for somebody else? We should be reciprocating this. You see, the first three aspects of loveology were vertical. It was God initiating with us. And since he did that, you do this. I'll tell you what, if I gave one of my son's life for you and I walked up for you and said, I'd like you to do this with your life since we did that. I think you would be all ears. What do you want from me? Hey, Live this kind of love out. But people aren't very loving, I know, and that's when you're gonna get tested the most. But they don't deserve it, I know, and that's when you're gonna get tested the most. But it's inspirational. You're following God, because no one's ever seen God. They haven't seen him yet. One day you will, he's already told us. But no one's ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us. When we're loving one another as the family of God, when we're treating each other better than we deserve, when we're loving unconditionally, when God is transforming our prayer life and our time with God, that it makes us want to love someone that's even unlovable, the world sees that. God's love is abiding in us and it's perfected in us. That word perfected means it doesn't come to a state of perfection per se, but it means it comes complete. It comes where it's been aiming at a goal that becomes complete that people can see. It's displayable God's love. If we love one another, it kind of shines like a chapel in the woods. People are like, wow. When we gossip about each other, when we slander one another, when we criticize one another, when we beat up on one another, you realize you're beating up on the people who all drove in to renew today? When there's some hundreds of thousands that didn't, you're beaten up on your home team. And aren't we so good at friendly fire? We all came here prayerfully because we love Jesus and we love the word of God. When we display love to one another, oh man, the world sees that. You know, they take meals to people when they're sick. You know, they write cards to one another. Did you hear that they have a benevolent fund? They give out thousands to people that in their time of need. Did you hear they built a a facility on the red road to free, free meals, give out and counseling to people in need and meet people where they are and even help people sometimes off the streets. I mean, what's up with that? That's like city on the hill stuff. That's displayable. And that's so important for us to be doing because they're watching too. They're watching how we love one another. John says, this is why we know we abide in him. Oh, we're real close to him. And we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And so we have come to know him and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. Just like God is light, God is love. John's like, when Jesus would pass him, he wouldn't be like, there's Jesus, he's so loving. He could literally say, there goes love. Hey, I'm gonna go have dinner with love because love was manifested in Jesus and God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this is love perfected with us so that we might have confidence for the day of judgment. One day we stand before him. And if we have done our job loving others, we're not gonna fear condemnation. There is no condemnation for those in Jesus Christ. But there does seem to be an element of shame that we didn't do more for him while we were on earth. And I think one of those areas where we're tested the most, especially in times when we're surrounded by people who we might find unlovable, is how we shined our light. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. Church, in this world, children of God, we're like Jesus. And you, factory worker, may be the only Jesus the guy next to you meets. And you, teacher in the elementary school, might be the only Jesus the other teacher in the lunchroom meets. And you, entrepreneur, might be the only Jesus that someone encounters. And you, brother and sister in Christ, You might be the only Jesus, from a little kid who knows Jesus, all the way to a senior saint in a nursing home. You might be the only Jesus they meet. So do you reflect him well in even the darkest times? That's how we can drown out fear. For the wolf's goal is to make you angry, upset, and frustrated, and mad, and ticked off and bothering people and yelling because his goal is to make your light dim. In fact, he would love for you to hide it under a bushel. No, y'all grew up yelling. I'm gonna let it shine. But we hide it under a bushel when we don't love one another. But on top of that, believer, there is some major, major, major good news, even in time of darkness, for the child of God who chooses God's path of love. It says this, you know, there's no fear in love. What? There's no fear in love. Well, I, I've been in love and I've been in a lot- We're talking about divine love. There's no fear there but perfect love drives out the fear because fear has to do with punishment. Thinking forward to a future without God necessarily is the overall context, but the one who fears is not made perfect, but the one who fears is not made perfect in love. You see, the one who fears is made perfect in love. I think of the the perfect love that I'm wanting in my own life to drive out fear when my wife and I were, were first married, we'd have the lights on, we'd leave a little light on in the house, okay? And, um, and uh, she would um, say every once in a while, are you coming home? You coming home tonight? and we didn't have any children yet, and I'd be like, yeah, I'm coming home, but we got two more games at the church. We're playing basketball. like, come home, it's dark, okay? And she would tell you when she was in high school, she had a season in her life where she watched way too many horror movies, and she regrets it. She even talks to teenage girls to this day. She's like, I messed myself up so bad doing that, okay? Because I had all these things. She says, she tells a story one time how she drove home, drove up the driveway, turned and went down the sidewalk with her car, didn't run that by her dad, stopped the car and ran into the house because she was so scared about a movie she had watched, okay? It kind of messed her up. Well, a lot of our horror movies find their realm in the, in the evil things, right? And so it kind of made her very scared. And so she would be quick to say, could you come home? Because, you know, you know, she's not living at home anymore. She put her trust in Chris Heller, which was scary enough for anybody, right? And, and so I'd be like, all right, I'll come home. But, but once we had kids, I didn't get that call as much. You say, yeah, because she loves the kids more than you, Chris, and that's probably true. (laughs) But she even said herself, I'm not scared anymore, why? Because it's all about taking care of them now. The focus is no longer on me. I wanna make sure they feel safe. I wanna make sure they have a good night's sleep. I wanna make sure I take care of them and get their snack. And that love that she's pouring onto them has taken all of the focus off of herself because love, that's what it does, it drowns out fear. But on top of that, it's confirmational for us. It's a fear that goes away knowing I am loved by God. And one day I will see him, remember last week, face to face. Loveology is like a light that shines into our light. It's unconditional, it's selfless and sacrificing. It's transformational, it changes our behavior the more we know God. It's evidential, it's been proven by his initiation of sending his son. It's inspirational, it inspires imitation by his children. We want to love because we love God. It's displayable, it's a love that is witnessed in his children and it's confirmational. It's a love that brings calm assurance. There's nothing better as a parent bringing assurance to a child who feels fear. And God says, my love can bring you assurance. But I want you to be aiming at it. When God asks me to love, he means love like me. And he hit the mark. My goal is to wake up each day and seek to hit the mark. I told the first service last week in the second service, I hit bullseye, it was great. And I proceeded to break the bow first service. So I got a new bow. But my goal is Jesus is the only one who is perfect. And for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But at the moment of salvation, he hit the mark for me last week, right? And he gave me his arrow to take to the judge. And now the rest of my life, my goal is to love like Jesus. And so how Jesus loves unconditionally is to be my aim. I'm not gonna always hit a perfect shot this side of eternity, but it's my aim to love like Jesus. My goal is to, oh, that guy must have been really mean to me because I missed the mark. That must have been very difficult for me because I missed the mark, but it 's my goal each day as a child of God I want to I want to be perfected I want to shoot I want to get closer all the time and, and walk like Christ, it's not because of my identity is found in it, but because he wants me to make it. My aim, when God asks me to love, he means love like me. Well, what does your love look like, Jesus? I mean, Pastor Chris, are you really gonna go out there and just love like Jesus? Because I don't know what that, I don't know what that fully looks like. Do you know there's a, there's a wonderful chapter in scripture that really gives the marks, kind of the marks of love? I made a list and I put them on my cell phone. They, they say that men love lists. Guys, do you like lists? I think girls do too, but I mean, I love lists. I like things to aim at. I like to check things off, amen? Oh, they feel good. Well, well, well one of the goals of our love being perfected that will drown out the fear of our life, the fear that says, get in here, get in here, get in here, come us, we can't go out there anymore. It's just too awful out there. The thing that will drive it out is when you aim at love, Because what's awesome about the word perfected, it also has an archery term in the sense that it means teleo or a Greek word that means to reach or aim at a goal to bring to an end an intended pursuit. So the goal is to aim at this perfected love and it's given to us in scripture. I took it from 1 Corinthians 13. Don't overthink this. If you're someone who likes to use the note app, you just copy it in Google, put the verse in there and then just adjust it so you can make it a list. That's what I did. Don't overthink it. Okay, love is patient and kind. God's God's love is patient and kind. Is that my aim today? Oh, I'll tell you what my aim is today. When she says something, I'm gonna say this. Boom, that's gonna get her. Okay, you're aiming at something and you'll probably hit your goal but that's not what Jesus called for you today. And I guarantee you that's going to lead to more hurt on your end. Make it your aim to love patiently and kindly. Love is not jealous. Love is not boastful or proud. Love is not rude. Have you been rude to a child of God recently? Love isn't rude. God's love's not like that. Love, Love does not demand its own way. I want it this way or else. Love doesn't Love doesn't do that. Love is not irritable. Love keeps no record of being wronged. Do you walk around thinking about how everybody wronged you all the time? That's not this love. Well, well, they deserve that. That's the world's love. Don't fall trapped to that. That's a, that's a spirit of this age. We want to walk by the Spirit of God. Love does not rejoice about injustice. We're not going to celebrate when there's injustice. But whenever the truth wins out, that's when love gets excited. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. Love endures through every circumstance. Who has God put in your heart? Who do you want to take a shot at? You want to aim at the person. I want to aim at the person, especially a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ in this text. God's saying, there's your aim. I had a professor in college. He said, you know how you make this personal, Chris? Put your name instead of love. Love. What? Yeah, put your name. So I did. He goes, It's a great test for each day. Can you say Chris is patient? Chris is not jealous? Chris is not boastful or proud? Chris is not rude? And would you be willing to look at the list at the end of your day? That's how you aim at a mark. You like lists? Why not aim at the things God calls us to aim at? God is love. And if God is love, that means God is light love is light. And when our church, when a church shines, it's love. People see it. Jesus said, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp. No one lights a lamp. And then puts it under a basket. Nobody does that. Jesus is like, you're not like, okay, we need to light this room up. Okay. I got it. All right. Now let's put it down under here. Nobody does that. But instead, he says this, instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house so they can't get their bearings when they've been walking in the dark all day so they can get something to guide them when they hear so many other paths. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they might see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It doesn't say let your light so shine before others that they might see you fight with one another and yell with one another and argue uh, with one another. It says that they might see your good works and give glory to you, no, to God in heaven. And so if we are the light, then we, I'll borrow a term from John, ought to shine. That's how you push back the darkness. You don't push back the darkness by joining the darkness and joining the paths of darkness and joining the ways of darkness. You push back the darkness by shining your light and your love shines in even the darkest places and the dark cannot overcome it. Lighthouses provide two kinds of light. They provide a guiding light and they provide a bearing light. They provide a guiding light and that those who see it, they can navigate their way even when life gets super hard. The Barcelona Olympics, Olympian was headed around the final bend. As he was rounding the bend in a large lead, you could see on the camera, he grabs the back of his leg and every runner knows, he tore his hamstring. He fell to the ground hurt himself he's laying on the ground and the runners are coming and he's clearly no longer going to win and you can watch him he he gets up and it's it's so bad he's like that but he's looking up at the head that which is his finish line metaphorically and he's going towards it and then a man runs out of the stance and they say, I, I didn't see it myself, but they say he took out a security guard as he's coming out of the stands. I'm not promoting that. I'm just telling you the story. Took out the security guard and started running for him. And guys like this, he runs out into the track Another other security guards. He stiffs arm. them. He stiffs armed young people like the Derrick Henry move. Boom, all right, stiffs arm, And he goes, he's my son. Everybody's and he grabs this boy who's going like this. the story says he said but you don't gotta do this you don't gotta do this he goes yes i do dad i gotta finish he said well then i'm gonna finish with you you can hide in your house church you can yell about the world you can kick and scream all you want jesus said this world's going to be trouble it's not here to stay but you're a citizen of heaven. Let your light shine and go find somebody today who's walking like this and get your arm around them. Do you feel the Holy Spirit going, that's what I'm talking about? And you will find all of a sudden, you're not so scared anymore because you have made your focus, not on protecting and getting your way, but you made your focus love. Oh, but lighthouses are also that bearing light. They shine and you can gain hope from going, at least we found the light to see and to run after. There's a little boy, he was burned so badly. He was laying in the hospital and everybody thought he was gonna die. There's a young teacher, she was called into the room. They said, could you teach him some nouns and adverbs? Just kind of work with him a little bit. He has fallen so far behind in school. We don't know if he's gonna live, but we'll just do that. She goes in there and she sits down next to him. And she gets out her book and she starts teaching him nouns and verbs and she's looking at him and they did not warn her for how bad he was. And she taught him nouns and verbs and he didn't really respond much and she felt like such a failure as a teacher. Any teachers here, she felt like such a failure. She walked out, she left, she just walked down the hall going, I don't even know if I made a difference. I mean, this little boy, he's not gonna make it. Two days later, it was her time to come back and she came walking in and the nurses met her. They said, what did you do for him? She said, what are you talking about? What did you do for this boy? What are you talking about? He's sitting up. He's been eating. He's waiting for you to come. Huh? I don't know. Ever since you met with him, come in, come in. She comes in and he's sitting up. He's going, is it time for nouns and verbs today? She said, yeah. And I said, what, what, what is it the difference? He goes, well, I figured they wouldn't teach nouns and verbs to me if I was going to die. So that means I'm going to live. And that little light of hope where that teacher thought she was doing nothing was changing someone's life. Keep punching that clock even if the guy next to you guys never says anything. Keep working that drill for Jesus Christ or hammering that board for Jesus Christ, even if nobody says anything. Teachers, keep teaching, even if the kids never give you feedback. Preachers, keep going, even if everybody's telling you what you should do and what you're not doing good enough. Hey, keep going, Sunday school teachers, even when you feel like you're so tired and you're thinking about stopping. Small group leaders, hang in there because you don't know what light you might be shining that is a bearing light for somebody else. When God says shine, church, It's not a shame, it's going, I want to use you. Don't hide it under a bushel of frustration and anger about the dark. I told you the world would fall apart, but you will overcome for greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Church, don't be a bushel believer. Shine and all the more as you see the day drawing near, for it's one of the affirmations of your salvation. We love because he loved us. And whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. John finishes and says, guys, this is a commandment. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister in Jesus Christ. Put the arrow down. Don't let the devil win. Every child of God makes mistakes. Every child of God will fail you. Every child of God will mess up. But a child of God is on your team. And you might be as, just as difficult to love as you're finding it to love them. And so love them like Jesus. We've got one more week to go in our series. We're gonna finish our 21 reasons, but let's add that children of God, they test the spirits, 14, they believe sound doctrine, 15, they love with agape love, 16, and they drowned out fear with love. Church, we haven't been called to hide it under a bushel. We've been called to let our light shine. And many people are tuning in around our country, even around the world, as well as in the house. And may this play be a place that is a beacon of hope, but also a place where people say, I'll tell you what, those people love each other well over there. And may it start with you. I was frustrated, grumpy, and mad at my role on my sports team. And so I wasn't giving it my all, And I was making everyone understand my anger. And my dad said to me, if everybody on the team behaved just the way you're behaving now, what would the team be like? I didn't always like him when he did that. If everybody in the church was behaving the way you're behaving right now, what would Renew be like? I want us to think about that and be inspired to go. Not today, devil. I'm going to shine my light. Who needs a hand and who needs some love? When I walk out of there, I'm making it about others. And you will find the fears of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. And what? Grace. Jesus, help us live like you. Help us not to define love through the definitions of the world but may we define love through your definition. You're the author, you're the originator. You moved first. While I was yet a sinner, you died for me. You sent your son Jesus Christ to be, to be cruelly treated, beat up, mocked, punched, hit, bled. But somehow you were pleased with it because this was the way that that innocent blood could be shed so that forgiveness could be offered to everyone in this building if they would call upon the name of the Lord with their mouth and believe in their heart that he is Lord. May they repent and turn from their sin and may they call upon you to be their savior and Lord. And may you shine a light into their hearts that will glow in them for all the world to see so that they might not be crippled by the fear of the darkness, but instead overcome the darkness with a very bright light. We pray this not only for each individual here who knows God, but we pray this for our church. In Jesus' name, amen.